Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Canada EHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. Well, we're in between looking at premieres. We just finished looking at the premieres of British Columbia, and we won't start our next five for a few weeks. We're going to be looking at various things over the next three weeks, and we begin today with my interview with former opposition leader Aaron O'Toole. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Just uh, obviously your father was involved in politics. So was politics always kind of instilled in you and an interest in it from an early age? Uh, less politics and more uh, being involved in your community, whether it's school or or the neighborhood or the town. Um, my dad didn't get into full-time elected politics until I was already in the Air Force and had moved out at 18. And several years later, he ran as a, as a PC MPP. But when I was growing up, um, my late mother, my father helped start the, the PTA at my school. Then later, my dad ran for the school board. He was on the library board. And by the time I hit uh, high school or, or university, he was a town councillor. Um, he wasn't a member of any party or anything at that point. Mm -hmm. So I was probably conservative officially before he was. But uh, <laughs> I was in the military uh, when I started sort of forming my worldviews. But certainly we were in an environment that it was encouraged to play a role in, in your community. And uh, in regards to the military, what, what kind of spurred that on? What led you towards a military career? It's interesting. Um, working on pipelines led me to the military. Now that sounds very strange, but I got a great summer job in between grade 12 and 13 as part of the summer pipeline inspection crew for TransCanada Pipelines. The only issue is I had to I had to work out of Kingston. So I, I moved away from home for the summer before grade 13 to Kingston and uh, moved into one of the, the empty houses in the, in the Queens ghetto around the university and worked for the pipeline for the summer all across Eastern Ontario. But I used to run and ride my bike over to the campus of Royal Military College in Kingston. And it just was almost like this little, um, you know, kind of museum on the mm -hmm. point there. And I started reading more about it. And I I did well in high school, but I was looking for something more. And when I started thinking about serving in uniform and, and attending RMC, that, that really, that's really what motivated me was a form of service that I think is the highest level of service, unlimited liability. 
But had I not lived in Kingston that summer and really kind of fallen in love with the campus and the idea of going to RMC, um, who knows? I might have gone mm-hmm. to St. Mike's at U of T or, or Waterloo, some of the some of my backup schools, <laughs> if I didn't get into RMC. Those little things that change our lives. Yeah. Um, just based on your own experience, uh, what advice would you give to someone who was looking to pursue a military career in Canada? I think... Serving in the military uh, at any rank level in any of our our three elements is one of the highest forms of of serving uh, your country and your neighbors and and what we believe in our values as a country and and I I also think you take away tremendous training to men, tremendous experiences from your military service. Uh, I'm fortunate I didn't really leave with any any injuries, a little bit of hearing damage, but um, other people leave with serious injuries and and we owe a duty to them as a country. Um, but I was fortunate, my leadership skills, my style, the fact that I got to serve alongside Canadians from all walks of life, all parts of the country. Uh, I learned French. Um, some might say not as beautifully as a, as I should have. I spoke, I used to say, I, I, I spoke French like a, uh, a military officer because that's how I was trained. <laughs> But it, it it allowed me to see our north. It allowed me to stand on the Hibernia oil platform with my with my Sea King helicopter crew. And I've I've raised some of these ins- experiences in the House of Commons, and I cherish it. And some of my friends from the military are my are my closest friends, um, band of brothers type friendships. So uh, I would encourage people to consider it. It is a huge calling, uh, particularly for families. But it is it is an incredibly rewarding experience to to serve a country you love. And then you decided to kind of do a big switch and, and move into law. What kind of brought that on to switch from the military into pursuing a, a law degree? I always wanted to become a lawyer. And so serving in the military, I always did think I would serve for a period of time um, and not a career. You know, some people go and, and will serve uh, a career. I still have some friends that are that are serving in the Canadian Armed Forces still, you know, and they're over 30 years in uniform now. As a kid, I always loved uh, Matt Locke and all the kind of legal shows. And my my own um, tendency to try and outmaneuver my my parents with witty arguments to extend my curfew, these sorts of things. I I always really admired debate arguments. Um, and and just the profession of law. So I briefly thought about staying in the military and trying to become a JAG officer. My my commanding officer in Shearwater at the time, uh, Al Blair, uh, a great a great friend, tried to encourage me when I submitted my release memo to say I was going to transfer to the reserves and go to law school. He tried to encourage me to to go in the JAG program, but by that point I was married and I knew I wanted a career in corporate law, not. Uh, not as the base jag at Cold Lake, for example, and I'm sure my my wife didn't want to go from Halifax. Um, so I think that that uh, that move was always going to come. And then I had a very uh, rewarding ten years, roughly, in corporate law, and that was uh, that was helpful in my parliamentary career too. And um, like you said, your father got into politics when you were in the military, but did you feel any pressure when you decided to go into politics to kind of, uh, you know, being compared to him or living up to what he had accomplished already? Certainly in my community, yes. Um, And, you know, my father 
really wasn't well known in Ottawa. He was a, a, a provincial politician and, uh, but extremely well respected in my community. So certainly that gave me a leg up in Durham. My dad was, was very well regarded for being a, a strong constituency politician, but also someone who stood on principle. I always remember when he voted against his own government, um, I think about six years, five years into the time with Mike Harris, he saw a lot of people living on the margins in Ontario. So he he voted against the government um, with respect to expanding payments for, for welfare or social assistance because he thought they'd been tr- trimmed back. And then over the years, even when inflation was sort of low, the cost of living was creeping up and these people on uh, ODSP weren't able to to keep up. So I, I always found that he he was known for a bit of a fiery temper, Johnny O, uh, his colleagues <laughs> used to call him, <laughs> but he was he was known to fight for people and I, I really admired that. So I still I still try and have that same approach um, in my constituency work. And you kind of touched on it uh, already, but how did your military training prepare you for when you got into Parliament? Um, in two ways. I've talked regularly, Craig, about how my military service, and particularly my education at the Royal Military College, formed my worldview, uh, not just of of Canada's role in the world, but the the Western Alliance, NATO, um, the, the changing security dynamics with the rise of China. In fact, I took a course on uh, on Japan at war, I think it was called in at RMC. We had an amazing professor who who brought into our class the geopolitical dynamic of of Japan as a former occupier of, of China and, and South Korea, and just how over time China was going to become, a country that would be a rival to the United States. We're here now. So when I started talking about concerns on on China about eight years ago, nine years ago, um, people thought I was a bit of a, a China hawk or a chicken little or something like this. <laughs> um, you know, I was one of the first people to talk about the importance of not having Huawei technology in our 5G system. That was all because of my my military experience. And in fact, some of the training we did as part of NATO on anti-submarine warfare and other things, we looked at other parts of the world because Canada's defense was so heavily based on the traditional Atlantic uh, uh, alliance and the Russian threat. We started looking at other areas like the Strait of Taiwan, other areas which are now pinch points. So that was critical, my military experience. Outside of foreign affairs, um, teamwork and and leadership and respect for others is is also something I took from the military. It's always why I've been pro LGBTQ rights and and women's rights, which at times has had me in the minority within the conservative party. But what I found interesting, there was a vote years ago on on um, ensuring that uh, uh, transgendered rights were respected within the Human Rights Code. Literally everyone who had served in uniform voted for that in our caucus. And there was only about 18 of us that voted for it. And I found, I spoke to a few of them. It was because people had served alongside uh, members of the LGBTQ community. And they saw, hey, if you're willing to give your life for the country, I better 
better stand up for your rights as a citizen. And so I think, you know, almost subconsciously, the military in terms of its uh, uh, hierarchy, structure, traditions, really instilled in me a deep respect for equality, a, a deep respect for commitment. Um, I don't have time for people that try and game the system, these sorts of things, that you really have a combination of self-reliance and part of a team. And that's why I think more and more MPs really should bring personal experiences to Parliament. Um, and we're we're not seeing that as much as in the past. And so I think it, it means um, you'll almost create a, a political class of people that that just know politics. I think mm -hmm. the House of Commons was based on having a, a cross section of the citizenry. Um, and so I'm fortunate. My, my background has really served me well and helped me uh, as an MP. And what is the most rewarding part of being a member of parliament, uh, you know, no matter what party you're part of? I was talking about this the other day with a journalist. Most of the rewarding elements of the job, the the big wins that I consider alongside my team are the ones that will never make the paper and never make it on Twitter or never trend. Um, one of them was we reunited a woman with her, her children um, after our immigration system had not allowed her to bring a, a daughter to Canada. I won't go into the reasons, but um, she had even failed at federal court. And we were able to dig through her file, find a few errors that had been made and and rectify it. Um, when she comes in with her daughter now to our office, um, literally the whole office is in tears. She comes by and brings cookies at Christmas, these <laughs> sorts of things that that she had been given up on by the system. Even the lawyer she'd been using said, you lost several times. You're just going to have to visit your daughter uh, in Guyana a few times a year. You won't be able to be with her. And the woman was literally depressed and we changed a life. There are a lot of cases like that. And I think MPs of all stripes, if they can help their constituents, that's far more rewarding than, um, you know, a really fiery speech in the house or, or winning a vote. So I've, I've taken those, uh, experiences to, uh, to heart and that they have really, really allowed me, whether I was in government as a minister, whether I was leader of the party, whether I was a backbench MP, if you're helping people in your community, you get a real sense of, of gratification from that. And for someone who may not know, what defines a person's role when they serve as uh, the leader of the official opposition? Well, you know, the our parliamentary system has, uh, has built within it caucuses that have a leader. And so the opposition leader is leader of the party with the next highest number of seats in the House of Commons. We we have a minority parliament. So I I uh, I served before the 2021 election and then after the 2021 election uh, for a number of months. Both were minority parliaments. And so that was a very interesting time where if we could work with some of the other opposition parties, the NDP and the Bloc mainly, we could actually advance agenda items. So the special committee on Canada-China relations, for example, that was a, a committee I created as the foreign affairs uh, uh, critic for the conservatives before I became leader, but it became very helpful when I was leader. We passed uh, a motion in the house to declare a genocide towards the Uyghur people 
in in China, um, something that the entire cabinet, other than Mark Garneau, didn't even show up to vote for, but most of the liberal backbench did. So I found being the leader of the second largest caucus in the House and op- official opposition leader in a minority parliament was a very interesting time because you could actually get some of your agenda items uh, across the line. In a majority, it would have been impossible to do that. The government could always really just whip its vote and would never lose a vote. So I uh, I found it a very rewarding time. The challenge was COVID. And I wanted to make sure that in opposition, I was not interfering with people getting vaccinated or or following public health measures. I tried to respect what the provinces were doing and hold Mr. Trudeau to account for late delivery or things like that. But I always tried to show that that public health measures were important. And I think that that has been something that has been a challenge um, in, in politics and for opposition parties, because you don't want your opposition to how the government is performing. And that's that's your job. You don't want that to work contrary to to the best interests of of a country in crisis in a pandemic. So it was it was a challenging time, but also a very rewarding time to be the opposition leader. And through your parliamentary career, do you have a memory that stands out? That's you know a favorite memory of yours, or or something that you're uh, very proud of? As I've said, many of my the things I hold dear are are wins we've had for constituents. But I do have to say, I've worked a lot on mental health and from my time in the military. When I left the military, I helped start a charity called the True Patriot Love Foundation to support military families and veterans. And my focus on that board was mental health. And I hold an event each year in Ottawa, co-hosted by Romeo Dallaire, named after a World War I member of parliament, Sam Sharp, who fought at Vimy Ridge, won the Distinguished Service Order, was the only parliamentarian re-elected while fighting in Europe, yet by the end of that year, fought at Vimy Ridge, by the end of that year, he died by suicide and was literally not even included in the parliamentary history of the Great War. On the 100th anniversary of Sam Sharp's death, I rose in the House to rectify that omission of any memorial to him and was successful in getting unanimous consent of the House of Commons, so all MPs, to erect a a plaque, essentially, a, a, a relief plaque with a bust of Sam Sharp, and to have that placed in the House of Commons or in center block beside the the statue of Baker, the other World War One MP who died. He had a life size statue, mm. and Sam Sharp didn't even make the website. So we rectified a century old wrong on the hundredth anniversary of his death. And I talk about Sam Sharp a lot to show folks that mental health injuries, uh, you know, used to be called things like nervous shock, shell shock, these sorts of things. We now know it's operational stress injuries, post-traumatic stress injury, these sorts of things. Um, Talking about this historic figure shows a lot of people today. It doesn't matter what rank, you could be an MP, you could struggle. So make sure you get the help you need. And thank goodness we have help today, totally unlike the days 
of Sam Sharp a century ago where people were called cowards uh, if they experienced shell shock. So I think we've come a long way and that, Greg, will be an important memory for me, um, remembering on the 100th anniversary of his death that that Canada showed it could get things right about marking figures in our past. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes.